The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Morning, everyone. Oh, good to see you all this morning. Uh, just a, a quick reminder, um, just from the ladies' uh, committee this morning, that um, out in the foyer there are some uh, bags for Project Raya. So, ladies, if you were looking for those last week and there was none available, there's more been uh, done out there, so you can grab one of those. If you're new here, you're wondering what on earth is Project Raya all about? Uh, my wife, Coral, here, is at the front here. Okay, She'd love to talk to you afterwards, ladies, about Project Raya. Uh, it's a great way of encouraging our women folk in our church, particularly in terms of uh, supporting one another as they grow uh, in, in their faith in the Lord. And uh, it's a, a wonderful ministry that the ladies have here. And uh, we thank God for them. And we pray that, uh, that this particular Project Raya bag will be a blessing to, uh, to all of our ladies in that. All right, well, we're going to be looking at uh, study five in our series this morning uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, if you've got your study booklets, you might want to turn uh, with me to those. Uh, we've uh, been, uh, we've, yeah, as I said, we're up to study five today. Doesn't time fly? Goes pretty fast, doesn't it? And the big idea this morning, I'll just uh, put this up here. So here we are, we're in Acts, uh, Acts 8, 26 to 40 this morning. And if you're looking for the big idea, I'm going to give it to you right up front this morning. There it is. Okay, I'm going to give you time to, uh, to write that down. And this is going to be the framework with which we're going to be looking at this passage this morning in. Okay, Acts 8, 26 to 40. And the big idea is this. To be effective in evangelism, we as God's people need to be attuned to God. We need to be available for God and we need to be vocal about God. Okay, there it is, big, the big idea. And that's going to form, as I said, the framework for the message this morning. You know, over the years, I've had the tremendous privilege of actually um, being part of leading several people to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever had that privilege yourself in your life. One of the more uh, memorable stories was of a man whose wife had been praying for him for quite a number of years. And she was part of our home group. And so as, a, as her home group, as, 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 our, as, as a group of supporting her and around her and wanting to see the best for her family, we were praying for this man too, that he would come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, it wasn't as though he was anti-church, but for him, it ju- just, church was just not for him. Jesus was just not in, on his radar, so to speak. But over time, we saw a softening in his heart and he, be- he, he began to gradually explore this Christian faith. And uh, we, uh, after many invitations, he came along to an evangelistic course that we, that we ran at the church. And we could see that God was at work in this man's life. He, became, he began to, uh, to see that, uh, you know, that we we're having uh, even more spiritual conversations with him. And, and I could see that, that he was wrestling with, what am, what am I going to do with this, this, this person called Jesus? What do I do with him in my life? And one day I received a phone call from him and, and he said to me, he said, Duncan, I, I need to see, I need to come and talk to you about something. And so we, we made a time and he, and he came there and there in my office as we spoke, he finally surrendered his heart to Jesus as his saviour. He confessed his sin, he confessed his need for Jesus and his desire to want to follow Jesus in his life and to honour Jesus with his life. And that, that morning, that man was born again by the Spirit of God. And, and I just can't describe the joy that I felt in seeing the hand of God at work in this man's life 
bringing him to a saving faith in Jesus. I don't know about you, but don't, don't you get excited when you hear stories like that? When you hear stories of people who you know, have been confronted with the, with, with the person and the claims of Jesus and, and for a time have, have, have rejected that and, and, and rebelled against it maybe and, and pushed against it, but, but finally the, the love of God and the power of God wins through in their lives, in their hearts, and their hearts are, are, are laid bare before God and they see their desperate need for Jesus to be their saviour, to be the one who saves them from their sins, reconciles them to a holy God and brings them into a, a life-bringing relationship with the, with the God of the universe. That excites me. You know, I believe that deep down that is, is, there is a desire in many a Christian to have the kind of experience that I had with that man in, that, in my office that day. I think that many of us who are followers of Jesus, we want to be a part of someone's faith story, don't we? We want to be a part of it. We might, not, we might not be the one who necessarily gets them over the line, so to speak, but we would love to be the person whom God uses to help those people step just that little bit closer to Jesus and that will contribute in some way to ultimately seeing them surrender their lives to Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. The thing I think, though, for many of us is we're just not sure how to be that person. We're just not sure how to be that person. There's a man in the book of Acts, I think, this morning that we can learn a lot from in how to be used by God in this way. His name's Philip. And so we're going to pick up his story this morning in Acts chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles there, I'd like you to turn with me, please, as we read uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through to 40. This is the word of God. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He came, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Well, let's uh, pray that the Lord will bless the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Father God, as we come to this passage now, as has already been prayed by Ian, Lord, Father God, let your spirit be our teacher. May our hearts be open to that which you want to uh, convict us of in our own hearts today. Father God, as the words of uh, James remind us, help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers also. For your honour and glory we pray. Amen. As I said, there are three things in this passage that point to why Philip was used by God in helping bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. And the first point is this this morning, that Philip was a man who was attuned to God. He was a man in tune with God. You know, it's every person's worst nightmare, every parent's worst nightmare, I should say, to lose your child in a shopping centre. Hands up, parents. Anyone ever lost their kids in a shopping centre before? Scary thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a really, really scary thing. When our girls were little, Brianna used to think it fun that he, she would just run away and hide, you know, in whatever places, you know, whatever hidey holes she could find. But Caitlin was a bit different. Caitlin liked to sort of stick fairly close. And one day, I don't know, she got distracted, we got distracted, and all of a sudden we turned around and there was no Caitlin to be seen anywhere. And I, Carl and I sort of started hunting around, sort of that, that panic kind of feeling starts to well up in your heart, hunting high and low, you know, looking in behind, you know, the clothes racks and stuff like that. Couldn't find her anywhere. And then, you know, I could hear above just that, that, that din that you sometimes hear in shops, a, a child crying. And as I sort of, you know, focused in on that child and, and heard the, 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 the tears and the, and the sobs, I thought, hang on a minute, that's not Caitlin. That's not Caitlin. I was able to discern that because I knew my daughter. And I was able to discern her voice there, that that wasn't her voice there in the, in, in the shopping center. Thankfully, we, we did come across it. We, we found it pretty quickly, which was, which was great. But, it, you know, that kind of thing reminds me that, folks, you know, if we want to be able to hear God's voice and respond to the voice of God, we've got to be able to recognize God's voice first. We've got to be in tune. We've got to be attuned to God, to, to the voice of God, to the heart of God in our own lives. We need to, to know him. And the way that we get to know God primarily is through spending time with him. You know, in that passage this morning, we see that, that, Philip, that God communicated with Philip in a couple of different ways. Philip heard God's voice in two distinctive ways. The first, we see that the, 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 the angel of the Lord, God sent an angel to Philip to tell him to go down from go down to the road that goes goes south from Jerusalem to Gaza. You know, this is probably one of the more remarkable and uncommon ways God communicates today. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone say to me that an angel has actually spoken directly to them. Boy, we'd like that, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we want, wouldn't we love God to just, you know, send an angel to us and say, you know, I want you to do this. Now, we want to see maybe even sometimes the handwriting on the wall, so to speak, from God about, you know, what he wants us to do in our lives. There in that particular instance, God used an angel 
We don't often hear about it in our own context. I certainly uh, read and, and hear of stories of people in countries that are close to the gospel where God does this. But where we have got access to the word of God already, God's already given us his word. And so that's where we primarily hear and see God and his voice revealed to us. You know, here in this particular um, chapter, here in Acts, in fact, you know, in the, 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 the history of the church at this particular point in time, God is working in, in quite remarkable and powerful and, and, and supernatural ways because he's establishing his church. And they didn't have the word of God as, as we have it today, the New Testament. They didn't have that then. We ourselves, though, today, we've got it. And we, this is what we need to be making sure that we are people of the word, folks. You've heard me preach this from this pulpit many and many occasions. If we want to know God, if we want to truly know him and know what he wants from us as his people, we've got to be attuned to him. We've got to be in the word, waiting upon God's spirit to speak to us. And this is the second way that we see God speaking to Philip here in this passage, that he also spoke to God through the Spirit. We see that in verse 29. Now, we're not told whether or not that was an an audible voice that Philip heard by the Spirit of God or whether or not it was just an inner conviction in his heart given to him by the Spirit to go to this particular place, this this desert road on the road down from from, from Jerusalem to Gaza. We're not told that. All we're told, though, is that the Spirit actually spoke to him. And folks, as the the people of God today, we can be confident that God will also speak to us through his Holy Spirit. If you are a born-again believer today, God's Holy Spirit actually resides in you. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit resides in you. And God is not in the business of trying to keep his purposes secret and hidden from us. No, God's purpose is to reveal himself to us and his purposes to us. And we've got it right here. If we would only just open and read and be willing to obey God. God's voice is heard for us in many ways. As I said, Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 says this, that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or the person of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. All that God has for us, all the the work that God has for us, he's given us the resources here in his word and through his indwelling spirit for us to be able to, to carry out what he wants us to do. It's not rocket science. Of course, we also hear God speak to us through times of prayer as the Holy Spirit, you know, um, um, perhaps burdens our hearts with things that God wants us to be a part of, that God wants us to do in our lives. That inner conviction brought about by the, the Holy Spirit. And of course, God speaks to us through those around about us, preachers, trusted spiritual friends, But can I just say this, a word of warning, if you like. Whenever you think that that, that what someone is saying is is what God might be saying to you, will you please go back to the Bible and actually check it against what the Bible says? Because God will not tell you to do something if it contradicts what he's already said in his word. 
And I cannot tell you of the countless conversations I've had with Christians over the years who have said, I believe that God is telling me to do this, but it goes against what God's word says. And I said, how can you, how can you say that? Oh, it's just this overwhelming feeling that I have. I don't care how strong the feeling is. If it goes against what the word of God says, it's not from God, folks. It's not from God. God does speak to us in lots of different ways. I don't know about you, though, but, uh, you know, when um, I get in trouble for this all the time at home, you know, whether whether Coral's uh, speaking to me or maybe uh, Caitlin might be, uh, you know, sort of trying to get my attention, I have my head sometimes buried in a book or on my iPad uh, watching a TV show like The Footy or something like that. And Carl will come into the room and she'll say, didn't you just hear what I said to you? I've been speaking to you for the last five minutes. Have you heard anything that I've said? Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Carl. <laughs> She's got to get the attention. Folks, we can be a bit like that. Sometimes God's trying to get our attention, but we're too switched on to other things in order for God to to, to reach us. Can I just say to us this morning that if our hearts and our minds, our priorities are preoccupied in other places, then it'll be hard for God to, to, to get the point across. So we need to take time in our lives. We need to set time aside in our lives to deliberately come before God and wait upon him and hear from him. If you're a follower of Jesus, I pray that you are setting time aside in your life as regularly as is possible for you to be doing that. Sadly, today we live such busy and hurried lives, lives that are so full of so many things and we just don't take the time to, to get aside with God, be in his word and hear from him. If, that's, if this is just the one thing that you take away from this message this morning, take this away. Make that a priority in your life. Please make it a priority to spend time with the Lord getting to know him, getting to know his heart, getting to know his truth, and then asking for the Holy Spirit to help you to put that into practice in your life. We need to be attuned to God, to the heart of God, to the word of God, to the truth of God. Philip was that man, but he was also a man who was available for God. Philip was a man who was available for God. As we read through the book of Acts, we see that Philip had this incredible servant heart. If you go back to Acts chapter 6, we're first introduced to this man, Philip. He was serving in the church and he was willing to do anything you know, in order to, to serve God and, and his purposes. And in Acts chapter 6, we actually see this man just, just waiting on tables, just, just being available to be used by the church in order to meet the needs of the people in the church. Those particular needs at that stage was the, the Hellenistic widows, the, 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 the Jewish widows, sorry, the Hellenistic widows who were missing out on the daily distribution of food. 
And this was, a, this was an issue for the church. And so the apostles gathered the people together and said, hey, listen, we need to set some people aside in order that this doesn't get overlooked, that these people don't get overlooked. And one of the people that they set aside was this man called Philip. He was ready to do anything to serve God and his people, even wait upon tables and make sure that the widows were being cared for. Folks, if we want God to use us, we need to first make ourselves available to God, to be willing to put God and his kingdom priorities first in our lives. And it's going to begin, folks, with the small things. It will begin with the small, everyday stuff of life. By putting God and his priorities first, you know, so when God sort of perhaps comes to us, let me go back a bit, uh, let me go back for a section. When God, you know, comes to us and, and wants to use us, many times it won't be in, the, in all this, the big, spectacular kind of ways. Most of the time it'll be in the small, minute-by-minute, day-by-day details of our normal, everyday stuff that we go about in our lives. And, and we need to make sure that our, that our minds and our hearts are attuned with how can we be faithful to God in those moments. Because that's how God trains us. And I know that I've, sp- I've spoken to many people in, you know, over, over the years who have said that they have encountered God not necessarily in the big, spectacular kind of, you know, one-off kind of uh, uh, moments, but in those small, everyday, you know, routine of life. You know, from getting up in the morning and getting your kids breakfast and, and you know, um, you know doing, the, doing the dishes and, and, and those sorts of things. As we serve, if, as we do those things with a servant heart, Willing to serve dad, uh, men, our wives, you know. I hope that you're helping with housework at home. This, by the way, this is not a message on this sort of stuff, but I'm hoping that you're helping with housework at home. Because it's a way in which you're able to serve your family. And, and, and if you want to be, if, if, if you want God to use you in, in lots of different ways, when we've got to be prepared to use by God in even the small, minutest stuff at home. And in, in our workplaces, wherever that may be, we need to have that attitude. God, I'm here to serve you by serving those around about me. Sorry, I singled out men there because that's who I am. That's me. And it's a struggle sometimes to do that sort of stuff. We need to be willing to do the small stuff. Philip's availability derived from the fact that he was a man who understood. Whoop, I've gone. Where are we going here? Let me skip through those. We've been on that page. No, we're going back. Available for God? Yep. I will work this thing out in a minute. Here we go. Angel spoke to him. Holy Spirit spoke to him. We've heard God's voice. Yes, thank you. Keep going. Available for God. Thank you. Philip had a servant heart. Ready to wait on tables. Servant hearts begin with the small things, but Philip understood God's heart. There we go. We got there. All right. Philip understood the heart of God. He understood first and foremost God's heart for him. He understood the, the love that God had for him in, in saving him from his sins and in bringing him into his family. 
Philip, first of all, understood that wonderful and amazing truth. The second truth that Philip understood was that the, the, about God's heart was that not only did God have a heart for him, but God had a heart for others. So Philip was willing to serve God, he, to serve God through serving his church. But also, Philip was a man who, was also, who also understood the heart of God for the lost. Philip understood the heart of God for the lost. Is that the kind of heart that we have? Is that the kind of heart that you have? Do you burn for the, with passion for being able to bring the message of Jesus to those who don't yet know him? Folks, if we're a follower of Jesus, we, that's got to be a part of our hearts because it's a part of God's heart. And as disciples of Jesus Christ... As followers of him, we need to be like him. And if we're going to be like him, then we've got to have the same heart as him. And so if we don't have that heart, folks, we need to be praying for that heart, that God will give us that heart. Because it's until we've got that heart for the lost, you know, many of us will, be, will not even bother about sharing Jesus with the lost. Philip was a man who understood God's heart and he was dedicated to playing his part. But Philip was also in that, was willing to go anywhere that God was, was, wanted to send him. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, we see Philip going down to a place called Samaria. The Samaritans to the Jews were a detestable race of people. They were inferior. These were people who, who, were, who, were, um, who were mixed race, if you like. They were, they were not pure Jews. And so many of the Jews, they looked down on the Samaritans. They wouldn't have the time of day for the Samaritans. But Philip was ready to go to even those who were considered de detestable to his own people in order to take the message of Jesus to them. And that challenges us today. Are there people in our own lives who we shy away from in sharing the gospel? Because even those people, God calls us to take the message of Jesus to them. Philip was not only prepared to go to those who were detestable, but also he was called to go to the middle of nowhere, to a deserted place. This desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza, not a particular appealing place from that perspective. It was a hot, arid, desolate, dangerous place for a person to go, particularly on their own. And we need to ask ourselves, God, are we willing to go to those deserted places, those places that are not necessarily appealing to us to go to take the message of the gospel to those who have who, not heard it? Now, I think of a couple that we, that we uh, sponsor, that we, that we support in Thailand, a couple of our missionary partners, Luke and Belle Harland, who took their little kids over to Thailand because God had placed on their heart a burden to share the message of the good news with people who'd not yet heard it. And so they left the comforts of Australia, they left their family behind, all their support structures, everyone they knew in order to go to this place in order to share the good news with these Thai Buddhist people. Now, God might not call each and every one of us here in this room to do that, or I, but I pray he does. 
I pray that God does actually convict our hearts and, and say, I want to send you to, to faraway places. But I tell you this, God has already called us to go and share what we have with those in our local communities. Where in our local community do we need to go in order to share the message of Jesus? Philip was a person prepared to go anywhere for God. Are you? Are you prepared to go anywhere for God? Surprising detail in this passage is that Philip was called away from a successful ministry. We read in Acts 8 that there, was, that, 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 that there were many people coming to a saving faith in Jesus. As Philip was preaching the gospel there in Samaria, I've done it again, haven't I? As Philip was... was, was um, Nathan, can you take me on along in those slides, please, mate? I don't want to go through it all over again. As Philip was sharing the message of Jesus to these people in Samaria, there were so many people who were coming to faith. Can you imagine being a part of that? Can you imagine actually, you know, perhaps here in our local community, all of a sudden you sort of start up, you know, you sort of start talking to people about your faith and, and they want to learn more. And so they come to your house and all of a sudden they're bringing their friends along to hear more about Jesus, about you talk to them about Jesus. And all of a sudden your lounge room is starting to fill up with people who wanted to hear about Jesus and start coming to faith in Jesus Christ and start then going out themselves and doing the same. What an amazing and fantastic thing to happen, eh? An amazing thing to happen. And that's what was happening for Philip. And God said to Philip, Philip, I want you to go to a desert road. In this middle, out of the, in, in this middle of the, of the out of nowhere place and stay there. And Philip's gone, huh? What? Am I hearing you right, God? No, that's not what Philip said at all. What does it say? In our passage this morning, it says this. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. No if, buts, or maybes. He just rose and went. He just did as God commanded him. We need to be willing to obey despite that it might not make sense to us. Recognition that, that, God knew, that God knows what is best and is more important and therefore it is his plans that we need to be obedient to, not our own. And that reminds us very quickly, I'm going to just touch on this very briefly, that the central character in this story, folks, is not Philip. It's not even the Ethiopian eunuch, but it is indeed God. Because it is God who is the central character. It is God who directs Philip. It is God who is at work in the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch that he's about to encounter on this desert road. As Philip goes down there, as, he's, as, he, as he walks down that road, he comes across this Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who is in charge of all her treasure. The easiest, thing, the easiest picture that comes to mind here is, here's this man just alone in his little chariot, Okay, reading from the prophet of, 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 of Isaiah, you know, there on this desert road, and there's just him, the chariot, Philip, and the horse, or whatever it was, was towing the chariot. But what we've got to understand, this was a, a, a government official. So there would have been a massive, big entourage for this guy. 
people all around him. It wouldn't have been easy for Philip to go and approach this person just off his, off his own bat. It would have, in fact, been an incredibly daunting thing for Philip to actually go and speak to this Ethiopian eunuch there in his chariot, you know, to sort of work his way through this massive big entourage with these soldiers, with their, you know, their swords and shields and all that sort of stuff. It would have been a pretty daunting thing. But Philip goes up to the chariots because he was responding to the voice of God. God was prompting him. God was working in the heart of this fish, official, though. And this is what encouraged Philip because Philip could hear that he was, that, and, and, and he could hear that he was reading from this prophet of Isaiah. Okay, in those days when they were reading stuff, they read it out loud. And it says here that, you know, it says, now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. It's a passage from Isaiah 53 speaking about this, this suffering servant, this one who would come and give his life in order to bring people into the blessing of God and his kingdom. Philip could see that God was at work in this man. The fact that this man had even gone to Jerusalem, was even reading this, this, this scroll, was the work of God in his life. And we can be certain, folks, that God is at work in the hearts of people around about us. Okay, we need to go into our communities knowing that God's already at work out there, that God's already working in people's hearts, that, that God's already sowing spiritual seeds in people's lives out there in our community. And God is calling us just to get out there and actually get alongside people and, and find out a bit about their story. And that's exactly what Philip does. He just goes up to this guy and, you know, hears what he's saying and he says to him, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So here's the next point. That God was seeking after this man already. God was already seeking after this man, this, this, this Ethiopian eunuch. I was sharing with Caitlin the other, the other afternoon about this passage and, and speaking about it. You think, God took Philip away from this, this really successful ministry where, where hundreds of people were coming to faith in Jesus. And he sends him out to this, this, this desert place. Why did God do that? Why did God take Philip away from the successful ministry, take him to this, this, this desert place? Why did he do that? Because God wanted that man, that Ethiopian eunuch, to hear the message of Jesus Christ and, and to know the truth that, that, that is only through faith in Jesus that he can be saved, that he can have his sins forgiven, and that he can be reconciled to a holy God. God sought after that Ethiopian man. And that just is an incredible um, a working out, if you like, of the parable of, the, of the, the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one sheep, isn't it? It is. See, God's on a, God's on a, 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 not a search and destroy mission. He's on a search and rescue mission in our world today. God is already at work. He's on this search and rescue mission, and we are God's agents in that. And so we need to take great encouragement from the fact that God is already at work. He's building his church. And so my final point this morning is this. That if we're going to be God's faithful agents, we need to be vocal about God. Philip 
we're told when, you know, when, when he asks the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, do you know, you know, do you know what you're reading? He says, who can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And then we read in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth. We've got to be prepared to open our mouths. He was a man ready to speak the gospel. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So Philip summed up the situation, summoned up the courage with the help of God and engaged this man where he was at. And folks, that's what we're called to do. We're called to engage people where they're at. You know, to, just to get alongside people, to ask questions, find out about people, hear, get to hear their stories. Get to hear what, you know, what's, what, what, what work God might already be doing in their lives. Asking them if they have any spiritual beliefs, if they have any kind of church background. Perhaps ask them how they make sense of, of our world today, all the chaos and the suffering and everything that goes on in our world. Ask questions you know, like uh, it's been, been asked of many in the past. You know, what do you think happens to us when we die? That's always a good intro to a, uh, to a spiritual conversation. You know, be willing to ask questions. Get to know people's stories. Be, re- be, be, be willing and, and, and sensitive to hearing what God might already be doing in their life. And then be willing to speak up about Jesus. You know, for Philip, he kept... You know, he, he asked those questions, but he also, as, as he asked the questions, he kept the conversation focused on God and his word. Because, folks, as we, as we get to know the word, as we use the word, as we speak the word of God into these situations, we'll see that the word of God is powerful in order to bring about the work of the Spirit in people's lives. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God does this. Romans 1, 16 to 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God under salvation for all who believe. Folks, we've got to have confidence in, in, in the word of God, in the power of God that is in the word of God as we proclaim it to the people around about us. We need to be able to utilize Bible passages in our evangelism. Hands up here, anyone who knows the Roman road. Couple. Okay, it's a very simple evangelistic tool, the Roman road. Four simple Bible verses in Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10.9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Four simple verses, four simple verses that very clearly and very succinctly outline what the gospel's all about. Equip yourselves, folks. Equip yourselves in order to share the gospel. Use that. Use a a track, two ways to live, whatever you choose to use, but find something and use it. Find something and use it. Philip 
made Jesus the focus of his message. See, the truth about Jesus is revealed to us, as I said, in the word of God. But it's also the truth about how Jesus has changed us in our own lives. Each and every one of us has a personal testimony. I trust if, you're a savior, if you've been saved by Jesus, you have got your own story about what Jesus has done in your life. Are you prepared to... Can you, can you share that with someone in, in, in 60, 90 seconds, just briefly about the difference that Jesus has made in your life? Again, I encourage you, be equipped. Learn how to do this. And practice it. Start talking to you, sharing it with your family to start with. You know, even those who know Jesus, start sharing it. Start getting used to telling it so that you can tell it in a context with other people. We're nearly at the end, okay? I know this has been long this morning. Folks, this is so important. It is so important. We need to help others to see that Jesus is the only one who offers hope. You know, as Philip shared with this Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus, as he took that passage of Scripture and as he, as he said, you know, this is speaking about this person called Jesus who died on a cross, who rose again from the dead, who defeated sin and death and wants to give us new life. And he just shared that with this Ethiopian eunuch. Nothing profound about it. Just simple word of God to this man. And what happened? This Ethiopian eunuch is convicted in his heart that he needs right there and then to put his faith and trust in Jesus. And he says, oh, look, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Now, that tells us that, this, that, that God had wrought a, a, a spiritual work in this man's heart right there and then. Isn't it amazing that there in the middle of the desert, all of a sudden, there's water? Yep. Isn't God amazing? Why shouldn't I be baptized? And so he was. And he goes away rejoicing. He goes away rejoicing. And all heaven rejoices in that one who was lost now is found. There in the desert, a thirsty soul was introduced to the one who is the living water the source of eternal life. And folks, we may not realize it, but we're surrounded by a desert, a spiritual desert. Yes, Isaac spoke this morning about harvest fields, and yes, harvest fields, but it's also a spiritual desert out there. There are people around us thirsting after that which will, that they're seeking after that which will quench their parched souls and lives. But how will they find the living water unless we show them where to go. So can I finish by saying this? When was the last time you shared Jesus with another person? When was the last time? Was it yesterday? Was it last week? Was it last year? Was it 10 years ago? Have you ever shared Jesus with another person? I want to encourage us as a church family to have it as a priority in our lives to be people who are out there sharing the message of Jesus. 
because our world desperately needs Jesus. I don't say this to guilt us in any way, shape or form. But I say this for the simple reason being that first and foremost, this is the mission that Jesus gave us and we need to obey him. But I say it also because, folks, when we are not doing this, we're the ones who are missing out. And you might think, what? What are you talking about, Duncan? We're the ones who are missing out by not doing this. We rob ourselves of the immense pleasure that comes from, first of all, serving our Heavenly Father and being about his business. What a joy comes from when we know we're serving God faithfully in our lives. Not only that, we also rob ourselves of the indescribable joy of seeing God work in us by his spirit and use us for his glorious purposes in seeing people you know, told about Jesus Christ. And thirdly, we rob ourselves of heavenly rewards. You know, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, speaking about the Thessalonian believers who he had shared Jesus is, he says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? God used us to share the good news. You came to faith in Jesus, and so you are our joy. You are our crown of boasting before Jesus Christ. You know, the fact that you, God has used us to reach you and bring you to that saving faith in Jesus. In your study booklets, there's a space for you to write the names of three people you're praying for in order to see them come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ this year. Three people. I want you to be praying for those people once a week for one minute. That's all. It's not much. Pray for each of those, pers- each of those people once a week for one minute, praying that God will be already working in their lives and that God will give you opportunity to speak to them about the message of Jesus Christ. Because I guarantee you, folks, that as we do this, God's going to be at work. You can guarantee that God is going to be at work. I'm praying that God will bring at least five people to a saving faith in Jesus Christ this year through the ministry of this church. You may think, gee, Duncan, that's a pretty low bar, a pretty low goal. But I guarantee, if we, if we as a church see five people come to saving faith in Jesus this year, you've got no idea what we'll do to lift the life and the vibrancy and the energy of this church. You have no idea what will despite the fact that it will bring glory to God in doing that. In May, June this year, we're going to be running an evangelistic course called Introducing God at our church here. And we want you to be praying for these people. We want you to be praying that God will give you opportunity to invite these people along to this course. Now, don't get me wrong. The course, by the way, is just a tool, Okay. God still wants you to be, to be speaking to people about Jesus, but God uses these kind of tools also to bring people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So I want you to keep that in your minds. There's this course coming up. Who am I going to invite? Who am I going to bring along? Will you do that? Will you do that? Can we come before God now? And commit ourselves to him and say, Lord, I want to be that person. 
I want you to use me, God. Yeah, it scares the pants off me. It terrifies me to speak to people about Jesus. But Lord, I, want to, I don't want that, that fear to prevent, I don't want that to, to rob me of missing out on being used by you for your purposes in this world. Will you pray with me this morning and commit to being that person today? Let's pray, shall we? Father God, this morning we, we, we see this, this passage of Scripture here before us. We see Philip being used by you to bring this Ethiopian official to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that that, that will be something which will burn in each and every one of our hearts the desire in order to be used by you in that same thing of seeing people come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to commit ourselves afresh to you today as your people and say, God, although it's scary, although it's terrifying, although I don't necessarily feel equipped even to do this, I'm going to trust you because you, God, are sovereign. You are Lord. You are my God. And we know that you're already at work out there. And we just want you, Lord, to lead us to to those people whose lives you're already working in. Lead us to those people, Lord. Help us to open our mouths just like Philip opened his mouth. Help us to ask questions. Help us to get to know them. Help us to get to know their stories. Help us to to be sensitive to where you might already be at work, Lord, and then open our mouths just to speak up and, and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Tell them that there is a God who loves them, a God who's willing to give his life on a cross for them and for their sins in order to rescue them, redeem them, renew them, transform them for, their, for your glory and for their good. Father God, give us that passion within us. Give us that yearning hearts. Give us that obedience, Lord, within our hearts to be these people, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org dot org dot au